What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants. Welcome back, Giant Sands, the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week we are 75% British, 25% Irish, but absolutely still 100% Giants. Shane and Kev are back this week, so it's a full house to celebrate us going live on YouTube for the first time ever. Cheers. Um, hello, viewers. How are we doing? Hope you're all good. Um, we promise big things are coming, and uh, we're super excited to enter the world of live streaming. And we've also recently joined Facebook as well. Uh, the platform where Shane brought us all together those two years ago. Hey, Shane. Uh, just search for us on there, Big Blue UK and Ireland, and give us a like and follow on there as well. Guys, how are you all doing? Yeah, great. Good to, uh, good to be back. We're getting back together. Uh, and what an episode to come back together to as well. Yeah, really good. Um, so glad we finally got this YouTube thing uh, going. Um, there's going to be some really good content in the off-season. Excited to start to break things down all giants this evening. Yeah, we're starting off with a bang as well with uh, free agency, having a look at uh, all of our wants. So uh, it'll be good to get our teeth into that and uh, let's start going. Spoiler alert, yeah. Coming up today, we're going to round up the latest news uh, from past few, from the past few weeks. Uh, and plus, we're going to be talking mock drafts as we... As mock drafts? No, we're not. We're not going to be talking mock drafts tonight. We're going to be talking free agency tonight but we're also going to have a quick peek at some mock drafts as well um, based off of our favourite uh, analysts uh, and we're going to look at some key positions in free agency as well and uh, some possible candidates at each of those positions. Uh, first up though we're going to run up the latest news uh, since this is the first time we've uh, since the Philly game that um, the Philly review that we've been all together uh, we're going to um, kick things off and uh, look at Coach Dable winning Coach of the Year. Um, as we touched on last week, he won Coach of the Year at the NFL Honours. And it just caps off such an amazing season for him and for the Giants and for the team. Um, rookie head coach said the team for a 9-7-1 record, exceeded all expectations from the preseason, and it just culminated in, in the trip to the playoffs at the end of the year, and which none of us expected. And then even more so than winning a playoff game at Minnesota. So, yeah, what a year from Coach Dable. Not only did he succeed with a limited roster, he succeeded with a limited cap space as well and led the way in changing the culture around the team. Uh, so hats off to him. And both Barkley, uh, Saquon Barkley and Julian Love have spoken out since about the energy that he brought to the, the team and the relaxed environment around the team as well. So, yeah, hats off to him. But... Just a quick one. Just how good was his first season in New York? Like he was beyond all of our expectations, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Um, you know, I, I think even speaking to a couple of other mates who follow the NFL, um, I don't think there's any questions about who it was going to be. You know, you look at some of the people he was up against. Yeah, he was up against like Nick Sirianni, but more due respect, came to push for the playoffs where we weren't. So, you know, I think the, the season that we went on to have, including like you say, winning a playoff game, was like beyond what any of us expected. And I, I don't think there was any other contender up against him that really stood a chance. 
Yeah, I mean, he's been an absolute revelation this year. Um, I mean, he's you hear from the players that he's brought back a bit more of a relaxed atmosphere, allowing the players to sort of like govern themselves, if you like, you know, the ping pong tables back. Um, and it's just, he's just brought a really good offensive mind and scheme with him. Um, and he's put in an experienced uh, DC in, um, in Wink Martindale as well. So that sort of uh, senior role on the defense, he's bringing his offense. Um, and it's just been a real match made in heaven. And, um, you know, we hoped for something like this, but we didn't expect it. Um, so it's a fantastic uh, honour for him. And of course, uh, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, I think the culture change, we touched on this last week when we were, we were talking to, um, to Keith, that the culture change that he brought in wasn't just kind of slightly different. It was a drastic change from what we had under Joe Judge and what we had under Pat Shermer. And... I think that the players bought in really early and that was the key to the success that we ended up having really is how quickly he was able to shift that from essentially down in the doldrums to to positivity and, and creativity. Yeah, I just think the, the positive energy he brought to the team from day one, like I said last week, that strut that he had when he's getting out of his truck outside the, the training, uh, training centre, just that, that positive energy he brought to the, the team um, is what we absolutely needed. And as we touched on last week as well, with regards to John Mara, um, the fact that he was so invested in him, the fact that he was sat in the audience on this on um, Coach Dable's sort of big team speech, sat there watching to see what he had to say, um, it's, it was huge. And so, yeah, fully, fully deserved for, um, for Brian Dable to win Coach of the Year. And, you know, long may that continue because uh, we're going into year two of the... Uh, Shane and Brian Dable project and it's looking healthy so really yeah. looking forward to 2023 um, Kev you were going to touch on Daniel Jones so uh, over to you mate yeah I mean you know this is live obviously so we won't be trumped by any news breaking hopefully uh, um, I don't expect anything to happen over the weekend but like most if not all the off-season buzzes have been around Daniel Jones's contract and uh, Saquon Barkley um, as well I mean there was a report from Mike Florio that said Jones um, could want possibly as much as $45 million per year. Um, Pat Leonard said in his article on uh, NY Daily News, um, as of Monday, contract negotiations hadn't exactly started. I think the key thing to take from there is the word possibly. Um, he would want possibly as much as $45 million. Now, this hasn't been leaked by Daniel Jones's camp. Um, we don't know where it's come from. It's it's, it's just a guess, I think, Um, um as to what he would want. I mean, the tag is 32 million. Um, so obviously the Giants have that in their back pocket if they want to um, to use it. I mean, Daniel Jones has always been a team first player, you know, first in, last out, works his butt off, you know, does everything right. Um, but contract negotiations are a little bit different. I mean, he's kind of, he will take a step back and his um, agents will, will, will try to do a deal for him. I mean, um, Dan Duggan as well said that um, I heard him speak recently and he said that uh, it's not up to Jones to manage the Giants' salary cap. That's Joe Sheehan's job. Uh, Jones is just there, you know, to, 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 to his agents are there to get the best deal possible for their client. Um, and speaking about that, interestingly, Jones has actually changed his agents um, this past week from CAA to Athletes First. Um, they deal with a lot of like, they have a couple of big uh, QBs on their books and a lot of NFL players, but the 
people representing Daniel Jones now um, don't actually represent any QBs at the moment. Um, I don't know what to make of this. Obviously, it's news because it's happened just around the start of the negotiation period. Um, but um, I think um, the tag is in place. If they can't get a deal done, um, $32 million, um, I think he will get somewhere between 35 and $40 million. I mean, if we look at the players who um, are on 40-plus million uh, per year, you're talking Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, uh, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. Now, if you're looking under 30, 40 million per year, you're looking at your Kirk Cousins, your Jared Goffs, your Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan's, uh, Ryan Tannehill. So I definitely think that that 35 to 40 mark is the sweet spot for him. Um you know, he would be the ninth highest paid uh, QB in the league. But then if you take into consideration that Jalen Hurts is going to get the bag next year, Burrow will be up soon. Lawrence will want to be paid soon. Uh, Herbert as well. You know, that 45, um, uh, that 35 to 40 million per year in two years time might look relatively cheap. Um, so it is a crazy number because it sounds like a lot, you know, 35, 37, 38 million. And it is a lot. But um, I think um, if we send to a long-term deal, then, then then it would be beneficial to the Giants down the road. And you think about thirty-five to forty million as a percentage of the of the salary cap uh, is what twenty percent of the salary cap? Yeah, the salary cap is going to. Everyone keeps saying explode. It won't explode, but it will. It will raise higher and higher in the next couple of years, more so than it has in the past. So again, it might be twenty percent the salary cap now, but then. You know, it'll it could be fifty as low as fifteen going forward. Yeah, exactly. So it's not necessarily it, the number looks big, but in comparison to the size of the cap, it is now. It's not as big as as it as it may look at first. I think you know going back, there was that um, video you posted in the group chat the other day, Craig, about um, Alex Smith's contract when he signed with the Chiefs at seventeen million, and that was twenty odd percent of the cap then back then when that, when that was contract was signed. So, you know, 17 million looks like a, a good number, whereas 40 million looks like a huge number, but it's all it's all relative to the percentage of the salary cap, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean definitely. And, um, and just to touch on um, Barkley as well, because I do think they're interlinked. I do think the Giants and Joe Sheehan want to do a long-term deal with Daniel Jones as soon as possible, then that gives them flexibility with Saquon Barkley. If they have the deal in place for Jones um, early then they can try and negotiate holding all the cards and also have the, the tag, which for running backs is only 10 million. So if, 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 if it's true that Barkley's team and representatives turned down 12 and a half million per year in the bye week, um, I can see the Giants wanting to go much more above that. So I think, you know, they'll come back to the table and they'll try and thrash out a 12 and a half, 13 possibly million per year for Saquon Barkley. But then for a running back, You've got that tag, so that ten million you could tag him this year, and you could tag him again the year after for twelve or thirteen. Um, so then, if they're able to do the Dan- Daniel Jones's contract early, it gives them so much more flexibility when it comes to talking to Saquon. Yeah, and you got to remember as well, putting just putting the tag on him doesn't necessarily uh, tie into the organization. He can still go out and, and negotiate with an organization as well, unless it's the exclusive tag, right? Yeah, um, but also just just to note, if you do tag as well, you do have until July to work out a long term deal. So, just because someone will be tagged, and the tag date I will add is the seventh of March, um, so literally a week Tuesday. Um, 
you, you can tag them by then, but then you do have until July to thrash out a long-term deal if, if that's what you want. All right, so then is Daniel Jones the guy to lead this team over the next few years? If not, who's a better option? Well, that's what it comes down to as well. I mean, I I liked his skill set. And he had, and we've discussed this on the podcast many times, you know, he had two different coordinators in college and he had four different coordinators now in the league. Um, this will be the first time, you know, since early college or high school that he's had the same coordinator two years in a row because obviously Kafka, he had head, head coaching jobs, but he's, you know, he, you know, he was unsuccessful in them and he's come back to us now. So with Dable and Kafka's scheme, Daniel Jones this season looked phenomenal. We got to see um, the the production match the traits that we saw um, this year. Now, going into the second year of running that offense again, I think um, he will only grow. Um, and some people don't. Some people say will say tag him and get him to prove it again. I think tie him down to a long term deal because I think the security build around him. And I think he's twenty five years old now. Um, I mean, CJ Shroud coming out of uh, in the draft now is like 24, so he's only like not too much younger than Daniel Jones. But um, so the answer, sorry, the answer is yes, I do. I think he's the the Giants QB for the future. Um, I think he's got the right temperament for the league for New York City as well. Um, and I think second year of the stable Kafka offensive scheme, and I think he'll flourish. I don't see anyone Shane, what better do you think? in the draft. Uh, there's there's no one better in the, in the sorry there's no one better in the draft that will impact now there's no one better in free agency that will impact now for as long as what Jones will of course there's Derek Carr who may be comparable in close range but if you look he's been in the league five years longer so that's five years less we're going to have of him Lamar Jackson I can't see him going anywhere other than Baltimore that's it there's no one better I'm not taking a punt on Jimmy G. I'm not taking a punt on whatever Rogers wants. Yeah. It's, it's the only it's the only option. Fifty mil, right? <laughs> exactly. Shane, is there anyone better than Dan Jones? <laughs> oh man, I could have, I, could, I could have a whole episode on this. I could literally go back and forth. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's the, time the, for that this off season. I'm not in the camp of tying down long term. I don't want him to sign more than a three year deal because I don't want to give him forty forty two. 45 over five years and he just drops off a cliff because he's got paid um you know as you, as you say he's he's only had one good season um and but like you know he i think the the the, the rumors about what he wants it's literally a case of he says she says chinese whispers and everything else in between but no one categorically knows um uh, I, don't, I don't know i'd here, Shane, here, what if I told you, right, the way you could structure this contract, that it was a five-year deal, around 38, 39 million per year, but there's an out at year three? I'd be happy with that. I don't know if Daniel Jones in his new agency will. So it's one of them at the minute. Joe Shane's in a kind of in a good situation because he didn't draft Daniel Jones. So if he thinks that there's a better option, whether it be this year or next year, he's going to hitch his horse to that wagon effectively. But likewise, whilst he didn't draft Daniel Jones, if he gives him a contract and Daniel Jones doesn't work out, it's not on Gettleman anymore because Joe Shane's the one that gave him that contract. So he's in a little bit of an awkward situation. Um, I think, you know, 12 months ago, we didn't take up the fifth-year option and that was absolutely the correct thing to do based on the production we'd seen from Daniel over the last yeah. few seasons. 
Um, I do think that we have heard reports that Sheehan and Dable love Daniel Jones. They love him as a person, as a leader, and they love his skill set. So I do think they would want to get a deal done, but you have to have an... And I think Sheehan... We, like, we love Sheehan. I mean, Joe Sheehan's been phenomenal, you know, everything he's done this year. I do think he'll have a price point. I think he'll have a limit. And he, and, I, and I don't think he'll be pushed um, somewhere where he's uncomfortable money-wise. No, he'll make a sensible decision based on the... the... The needs the, the the needs of the team and it's is gonna be a um it's gonna be a team friendly deal that allows for more room on the cap for other players as well. So I think yeah, just I think... my answer, I'd say is Daniel Jones the guy to lead the team at under forty million? Okay. Over forty million, nah. That 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 that's the price. I don't know what Joe Shane's price is, but forty plus for me is good looking in future endeavours. Yeah, fair play. Well, you tag him then, wouldn't you? Like you would say, "All right, okay, we're not getting anywhere." Thirty-two million tag this year, and then you let him play on that. Yeah, it's just what it affects. Uh, yeah, I'm not. It toys our hands then. I don't like the tag. I don't like the tag for the pure fact of it's a thirty-two million hard hit, and it doesn't give us any leeway. And if you know quarterback, regardless of how long the contract is and how much it is, the first year is always the softest blow to the cap. It certainly is that, and I mean, as it as it says at the bottom, Daniel Jones contract negotiations dominate off season talk. It's dominated the talk so far here, so yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on. But there's plenty more to talk about another day, that's for sure. Um, Shane, who have we signed recently to uh, to new deals? Yeah, so, um, three players have stood any come as most surprise to um, for a couple of them at least. And we've signed uh, Lawrence Cager. Um, on a one-year deal, who I was quite surprised with when he played, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, 13 passes, 118 yards and a touchdown in just six games. He was a player that kind of caught my eye, to be honest, especially when Danny B was, was out at times. Um, offensive lineman Jack Anderson as well, uh, also on another one-year deal. Uh, mainly being used as a rotational piece um, for us, seeing left tackle, left guard, right guard. And then lastly, the, the one that's absolutely no surprise, and I think we're all really happy with his uh, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, you know, eight games, 33 catches, 351 yards and four touchdowns and kind of become um, Mr. Reliable, re- really, for, for Daniel Jones and sort of stepped up when certain players who were getting paid a lot of money didn't or, you know, other players got injured. So, uh, you know, Isaiah Hodgins is definitely one that stands out the most. I think all three are going to be important pieces going forward. Yeah, and I think that he, the fact that Hodgins... Signed for such little money as well is uh, is an absolute steal. I mean, to get a potential number two receiver for I think it's what eight hundred and seventy thousand or something like that, it's an absolute no brainer. Yeah, I mean they are um, they are they were they were restricted free agents and they were signed this. Um, uh, so basically, if you're in the league for less than two years and you're a free agent, um, they can actually sign you as an exclusive rights free agent. So basically, the team have the option of, like you said, 870k for each of those three players, um, which, like you said, is an absolute steal. I think uh, Anderson's decent depth. I think Cager, like Shane said, shown um, some promise as a, as a pass-catching tight end, as m- uh, more sort of uh, away from the line as opposed to on the line with a lineman. Um, and Hodgins, like you said, he's just been phenomenal. What an absolute find. I mean... Um, it was hard for, for for him to get time playing behind, you know, um, 
the Diggs and who was the other decent wide receiver there at the, the Bills? Uh, Gabriel. Gabriel, yeah, exactly. So you know he wasn't getting much time behind those guys. And, you know we were depleted as wide receiver. He's come to us and he uh, he was been phenomenal. So yeah, really smart move by the by the front office again. Yeah, big time, big time move. And I think he's going to produce. It's going to be good to see him produce for a whole season, not just eight games. I think he he's got a lot to give this organization. He's got a lot to give this team. I think he links up really well with Dan Jones. So. Win-win for us, really. Um, Craig, you're a little bit about um, what's his name? DeAndre Smith. DeAndre Smith, our yeah. old running back coach, as it is now. As uh, yeah, though we've retained uh, our defensive and offensive coordinators in Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale. Obviously, one positional coordinator has gone. Uh, DeAndre Smith has gone to join uh, Shane Steichen. At the Stop, Colts, yeah. um, they both previously worked together at the University of Nevada, so no, no real sort of surprise there that he's he's linked up. Um, did lead us to be the fourth most potent rushing attack in the NFL last season, but bear in mind that those numbers were bumped by Daniel Jones. Um, so you know, Saquon Barkley still had a career year. We've since obviously announced uh, that Jeff Nixon is our new running back coach who has been with the Panthers last three seasons as their running back coach and assistant head coach. So uh, I think that's a good pickup, uh, a good bit of experience as well behind um, Dable, who let's not forget was a rookie head coach this year. Um, and even as a second year, he's going to need some experience behind him. And I think he's built um, a very good team. The fact that he worked with one of the best backs in the league, Christian McCaffrey, says a lot. You know, he hopefully can work his hopefully can work wonders with uh, with with Barkley if Barkley's still on the team come September. Yeah, I believe Barkley will be, and and um, he did a lot of uh, work with Christian McCaffrey in the in the passing game as well. So uh, you know, and that's something that Saquon maybe didn't do so much of this past season. We didn't see him sort of catch as many balls as he probably should have, given the talent levels. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that is incorporated into the running game next year. Yeah, man. And I think um, it's... I can't see Barkley not being on the team, can you? Really? It's, we'll, we'll make it happen one way or the other. No matter what Keith said last week, and putting him on the bus. Oh, he, think, he, that bus is full of kicks, wasn't it? That, that minibus is absolutely <laughs> chucked up. But I think, uh, I think there's, there's no way T6 is going anywhere. I, I can't see him going anywhere else. Uh, and then lastly, just touching on Davis Webb being the new quarterback's coach at, Denver, at the Denver Broncos. Um, so obviously our third string quarterback who started the season ending game. Yep. Season ender? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is now Dual threat Davis Webb. And, yeah, has obviously now retired and moved into the world of coaching as we kind of expected. And he's now taken his talents to Mar High City and is now the coach for Russell Wilson. So, good luck to Davis Webb. What would he yeah, be, I mean, like, what will he be remembered for more? Will it be Golladay's only touchdown, or the fact that he trucked Darius Slay like he oh. was nothing? Truck I Darius mean, they're both MVP level uh, plays. Uh. <laughs> That's very true. No, trucking Darius. But I mean, Slay. I did say in a did say in a past podcast as well, didn't I? If uh, if Kafka 
got a head coaching job and, and did leave. You know, I, I fully believe that they would have promoted um, Shea, is it, the QB, current QB coach? Um, I believe they would have promoted him. And I could have, I could have seen Davis Webb become the QB coach then in that scenario. But obviously, Kafka uh, just uh, has stayed with us. Um, and Davis Webb has moved on to the next part of his career. Fair play to him. Yeah, good luck to him. Yeah, he, he did well in that one game. And uh, I mean, to be fair, he did pretty damn well in that one game, didn't he, really? So, yeah, good luck to him. I hope it's a good move for him and I hope Russell Wilson isn't too much of a prima donna for him. Anyway, moving on. It's that time of year when Shane and Kev are preparing their boards, doing their research and watching film as we make our way towards the draft at the end of April. And as usual, mock drafts have been doing the rounds on social media. Um, as our resident college experts, Shane and Kev have picked out five analysts whose mock drafts that they always tend to look at. Uh, in the lead up to the draft, we'll bring you the latest picks from each of those analysts. Um, Shane, who have you guys picked out? Yeah, so we, um, I think Kev was in agreement with me, the five that we, we picked out. Um, the two main guys off ESPN, which is Todd McShane and Al Kuiper, and then three guys from NFL.com in uh, Bucky Brooks, Daniel Jeremiah and Lance Lloyd. Um, main five guys who I'm always interested to, to listen to. Um, they've got their own podcasts and I love listening to them this time of year. Certainly opens my eyes well to maybe some uh, potential rookies that have slipped under my radar. I mentioned them, I'll do and have a look at some tape on them and then um, that board's going to be coming on my board as well. So I'd say they're in the top five, especially if any any listeners out there as well want to uh, look into them. Name the five, I highly recommend Yeah, cool. Yeah, um, sorry. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sorry, no, I was just going to say, like, uh, I was, there's, there's a bit of a pause there, and I just forgot to come in. I was too busy listening to Sheehan. I completely forgot to yes. pop a little point on. But, um, yeah, no, those are the five guys. I mean, like, me and Sheehan, um, we do love looking at uh, draft prospects and, and, you know, what potential players could be on the Giants next year. Um, I mean, we do our own research, but uh, fair to say that I listen to both podcasts that those boys are on. Sheehan listens to, listens to it. Um, and um, they're definitely go to. So um, I mean, they, they don't always get anything right, but it is an entertaining listening to them and to see the and and as we talk about their picks this week, um, we'll go through them in a second. You can see there's definitely a theme with their choices. Yeah, there seems there seems to be a running theme of their choices. I think all part, all but one. Um, but yeah, even like I mean, I'm not I'm no college college expert. I don't claim to be, but. You know, even I sort of look at, you know, the likes of Bucky Brooks and Dan Jeremiah and they know what they're talking about. You know, they're expert analysts for NFL.com, so they know what they're talking about. And I mean, mock drafts really are just to create talking points, aren't they? Because there's uh, there's nothing else to talk about during the offseason. So uh, why not why not create some talking points and do some mock drafts, right? 100%. Yeah, man. Um, so who have they picked out in their first mock drafts? So, uh, go on, Shane. You want to read them off there a minute? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll do, take it in turns. Do one each if you want. Um, so, we'll start with uh, Mel Coy, who's um, controversial at times, to say the least. He's, he's said that he's going to be retiring if B. John Robinson goes to the Ravens in the first round. <laughs> yeah. um, he's always an interesting listen to. And, and like I say, his podcast with Todd McShay on the uh, first draft podcast, uh, they have some right banter, let's call it, between them. Um, so Mel Kuyper's got us taking Jordan Allison, who's a wide receiver of UFC, at USC, sorry. Um, he's a wide receiver who I really like. 
I'm not going to divulge where he's on my board yet, but he's he's certainly one who I've got my my eye on. Um, and you know, if we ended up with him, I'd be really happy with that. To be honest, I think he could potentially be still at 25. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll tell you exactly where he is on my board. I have him as number two wide receiver on my board. Um, I think he's uh, he's he's slight. I mean, he's six foot one seventy five, so he's kind of your like um, Smith who went to the Eagles, who we were very interested in. He's kind of like that very much that sort of similar type player and skill set. Um, he's just very good at getting open. I mean, he's not a big contested catch guy or anything like that. And he can play slot. He can play outside. Um, yeah, he's just a, a really, really solid player. Um, I think the Giants as well, as we'll talk about these players, I think the Giants won't necessarily go for a big-bodied contested catch type player. I think um, Dable wants to scheme wide receivers open and allow Daniel Jones to throw to them open as opposed to throwing contested catches. So you'll definitely get a theme of that as we go through the choices. Um but, um, I mean, I completely understand why you'd go for a player like that. I mean, and then Todd McShay then has uh, the Giants taken Zay Flyers, a wide receiver out of um, Boston College, who, again, is 5'9", 182. So another sort of shift there. Again, can play outside or slot. These aren't just slot guys. These are players that can play on the outside. And, again, very much in the mould of fantastic route running, being able to get open. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what Kev thinks, but Zay Flowers, he's, he's definitely someone who's like, I was aware of sort of towards the end of the college season. He's slowly been creeping up the up the draft boards, up the mock, mock drafts as well. Um, and, you know, I, I could certainly envisage him him on one side, one dial on another, rubbing rub past each other and that, and one of them's bound to come open. Um, and just following on from that, Bucky Brooks has also got us taking Zay Flowers another one. Wide receiver from Boston College as well, so that's two, two uh, mocks for us for Zay Flowers currently. Yeah, and just to round off another wide receiver, uh, Daniel Jeremiah has us go had has us going Jalen um, Hyatt, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Now um, he's another one, six foot, one hundred eighty-five pounds. Uh, he is fast though, like he is lightning quick. Uh, he had a great um, year this year with. Um, uh, Hendon Hooker, is it? The quarterback out of Tennessee, who's also in this draft, who's the same age as Daniel Jones, funny enough. But um, um, he had a fantastic year. I mean, I mean, I think he got 1,300 yards and uh, double-digit touchdowns and stuff this year. So um, a little bit little bit um, not as polished as the previous um, wide receivers that we talked about. Um, I kind of have him more going the second round. He was uh, a second-round guy for me looking at, but I can see him. He is going up draft boards now um, as the process is going on. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I've got him as a second round. I'm, I'm not as high on him as, as what some people am at the minute. Um, I imagine he's going to probably win in the four, four threes quite comfortably. Um, but, you know, if we lose someone like Darius Slayton in, in free agency and we don't draft that, you know, speed start to take the oh, over the top with the wide receiver, um, I could certainly see, see him happening. But, yeah, Rain is a little bit fine for me. And then uh, just rounding it off, Lance Zerloin going against the grain. Um, but he's taking my favourite players and definitely my favourite position in this draft and that is Trenton Simpson, the linebacker at Clemson. Um, he's probably related to going to be everybody probably the only linebacker really worth first grade great. There's a couple of others that we'll talk about as the weeks go on who could potentially sneak into that first round but um, Trenton Simpson's a very athletic linebacker can't do it all. Um, and I wouldn't be annoyed at that pick either. 
Yeah, I, I love Trenton Simpson. I have him as my linebacker one. Uh, Brian off ball is what um, he's one of these modern linebackers, 6'3, 240. Uh, can play in space, can play just as well against the run. Um, kind of like not wow, 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 but definitely I think a player like that would come in and slot into our defense for 10 years and be a defensive captain in no time. Yeah, I think first round is going to be an interesting choice. Well, I think it's that it's between those two positions. I think it's between receiver, I think it's between linebacker, and I think. It's going to be intriguing which way we go, because I think personally, I think I just I think we'll go. With, I think we'll go for a receiver personally. But do we have a bigger need at receiver, or do we have a bigger need at linebacker? It all depends on what happens during free agency as well. So, and don't this kind yeah. cornerback as well? Obviously, yeah, it's true. Uh, Jackson. Yeah, very true. And there's always there's always good corner de- there's always good corner talent in the first round as well. So. Yeah, I mean we're two months away from from the uh, from draft day, so uh, there's a, there's plenty of uh, plenty of discussion points coming up over the next couple of months, that's for sure. But yeah, um, as we so, as we sort of go through the next couple of months, once um, these five sending the next mock drafts, we'll um, we'll run through who each of them have um, picked for the Giants at twenty five. Um, once we get that through, so yeah, watch this space for that. Um, to round off the first Big Blue UK and Ireland live stream, we're going to take a look at some key positions that the team need to strengthen in during free agency. Uh, Shane, Kev and producer Craig have picked one free agent at each position that stands out for them. And then I'm going to choose who I pick out of each three. Uh, so the four positions we've won for are receivers, linebackers, inside linebackers, that is, uh, corner and also interior offensive line. Uh, that's the sort of four positions that we feel we need most help at during free agency. So, starting off with receivers, Kev, we're going to you first. Yeah, so I've gone for uh, Paris Campbell, um, formerly of the Colts. Uh, as you can see, six foot, uh, 208 pounds, drafted Ohio State in the second round in 2019. Um, he's one of those receivers, again, just a very solid player uh there's one thing i will say about receivers now like this draft class this free agency class there won't be a number one receiver in my opinion i mean i do believe that we we will need to draft a number one receiver this year but uh paris campbell i think would be an excellent number two to play opposite of number one um and again, he's, he's he's one of those um, wide receivers that we've been talking about. Very solid right runner, gets himself open. You won't see too many contested contested catches with him. Um, and I think um, in this this scheme as well, I think he could flourish. Nice. I think Paris Campbell is a he's a decent receiver. Um, he's not got the the greatest of numbers um, uh, with. Uh, that with the Colts, but then he has been playing at the Colts for the last four years. So, you know, we can't always go by numbers. Um, Shane, who have you gone for? Yeah, so my pick is McCall Hardman um, of the Chiefs currently. Uh, second round pick in 2019, taking 56 overall. Um, the rationale for this pick is uh, I see him as an upgrade on Darius Slayton. He's quick like Darius Slayton, so we'd be getting that speed star. He's also a player that Mike Kafka's going to know a lot about as well. Um, you know, he has, he has had, had this season, he's had some injuries. You, you know, he, he brought in 25 receptions on 33 targets. Uh, he can definitely stretch the field. And I, I think he, he's an upgrade on uh, Slater. I don't think he's probably going to get the money that he'd think he could 
he's going to get like he's going to get under ten million a year, and um, so he's someone that you know replace. He, he's an upgrade on a play. We'd be losing free agency. He knows the OC, um, and I think he can be a bit cheaper than what some other free agent wide receivers could end up being. Yeah, I like the McCall Harbin pick, and I think he's a he's a talented receiver. He's very quick, and like you said, the fact that he's worked worked with Kafka before in KC, um, it's 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 a it's a great shout. It really is. Um, Craig, who have you gone for? So I've gone for Jacoby Myers, uh, who has been with the New England Patriots um, in their underwhelmingly negative run first offense uh, with erratic quarterback play. Um, Myers somehow has still been able to actually showcase his ability. 804 yards, six touchdowns on 67 receptions, 14 games. You know, if, if you want to know why I think he's a good fit for the Giants, it's contested catches. One of the things we have been notoriously bad on is contested catches. And Myers has a 69% catch rate in the last three years. Now, you know, we signed Golladay for that exact job. Um, he could be a younger replacement who might actually do something. Again, Jacoby Myers, great talent. The fact that he was undrafted as well is kind of a, it's kind of quite a nice thing. Um, one player I do want to sort of touch on that none, none of you picked, Juju Smith-Schuster. Why did none of you pick Juju Smith-Schuster? Is it too much money? Does he not fit the giant scheme? We don't want a TikTok star on the team, do we? <laughs> true, true that. I mean, I mean, his numbers are ridiculous for um, for a six year a six year receiver. But I think out of the three guys you went for, I think it's a very, it was a very tight decision. To be fair, um, positives about all three of them: Paris Campbell, I like his uh, ability. Uh, Nicole Hardman, I think he's quick and he would fit. He would fit well with, like you said, with Mike Kafka. Um, but yeah, Myers just gets it for me, just like for the, the contested catches, um, and the fact you know he's he's undrafted, he's put up fantastic numbers in in New England. I mean, uh, granted, he's only scored, he's only caught eight eight touchdown catches over four years, but he's put up great numbers in terms of yardage, and I think he's he's definitely one that would fit our offense really really well alongside um, Isaiah Hodgins, and you know to replace. Darius Slayton as well. So, yeah, for me, Jacoby Myers. I'll take that as a win. <laughs> I'm sure you will. The more I was hearing Shane, the more I was here, the more I heard Shane talking about Michael Hardman, I was like, I should have picked him. <laughs> yeah, no, like, you know what? I would be absolutely happy with any one of any one of those three because I think they're all fantastic receivers and I, would, I genuinely think they would all fit really, really well in our offense uh, in what... Um, Dayball and Kafka are building an offense. I really fit. I really do think all three of them will fit really well. So I wouldn't say no to any one of them. And the and the money the money wouldn't be too bad either because all three of them they're, they're they're not commanding huge money at the moment. So in so you can't really turn no down at any of them. Uh, moving on to inside linebacker then. So Shane, who have you gone for? Yeah, so my uh, my pick um, might be a bit of a strange one. Some people, I went for Anthony Walker Jr. Uh, currently at um, Cleveland Browns, previously for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he did pick up an injury in his third game this year, uh, so he's coming off an injury, which is 
kind of one of the reasons why I've picked him to be honest. So again, I think he's another one that's going to be cheap. Um, the key with the players that I've picked so far is focusing on cheap, but good enough to start, and the money's going to go elsewhere on the positions we're talking. Um, so Anthony Walker, as I say, 20, 2022, he was looking great um, before he got his injury. So if you look at his stats from 2021, when he was a bit uh, 13 games played, uh, 113 tackles, one sack, two pass deflections as well. Um, I just think he's, he's going to get him cheap because of the way, because of him coming off the injury. Um, he's a very good coverage linebacker, uh, 78.2 rating in his 2021 season. Um, and I, I just think he's someone that can add something and be an upgrade to that defence without having to spend kind of a, a fortune on the likes of. Tremaine Edmonds, etc., who are probably going to be sort of in the, in in my opinion probably that 14, 15 million a year range. Um, so I think you know a player coming off the injury, he said that he what he wants to bounce back, and I think when you add in the fact as well that he's played with um, Darius Leonard, who's changed his name to someone else now, Shaquille or something like that. Um, he's played like alongside one of the best linebackers in the league as well, so he's going to be bringing that experience to the team. Nice, yeah. I think he's a he's a he's a solid pick. Yeah, he's come off an injury. Uh, it's a torn quad, um, so you know, quite a serious injury. But he's rehabbed, and he's he, like I said, he's looking to come back strong. And I think he's uh, the fact you know, well, the fact that he was a team captain as well with Cleveland as as well says a lot. So he's he's obviously highly thought of in in their team. So I like that pick. I like the pick. Um, Shane, um, not Shane. Sure, that was Shane's pick. Who are we on who are we moving on to next? I think it's uh, Craig, isn't it? It is. It is me. Yeah. Uh, I have gone for David Long. So uh, one of the glaring issues on our defense, and the whole reason we are looking at this position, is our ability to help in the run game at linebacker. Um, PFF's highest graded Giants linebacker on the run was Jaden Smith at sixty-two point seven. He was 89th in out of all all linebackers. David Long had an 89 grade, putting him in at fifth. Now, Long is not a one-dimensional option. He also had an 80.1 grade in pass rush. He does miss tackles, and he's only just above average in coverage. So, you know, he's not the complete player, but I think he will be, you know, you could pick him up for not a lot, and he would be on it. Yeah, I think he's 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 not the complete player, but the fact that he's been in Tennessee, Tennessee's defense, you know, he he he, he plays well, and I think the fact that you said he, he was what eighth was it fifth in in Pro Football Focus, fifth or eighth or something like whatever you said it was, you know that that speaks that speaks volumes. The fact that they've got him graded so highly, so yeah, he's a he's a good pick as well. Um, lastly, Kev. Absolute homer pick for you. Absolutely. Make no bones about this. Um, I've gone for Drew Tranquil, um, linebacker 6'2, 234. Uh, you know, 2019 draft again, fourth round pick out of Notre Dame. Um, he's one of those players, I, and I followed his recruiting even in high school uh, because he was originally committed to Purdue, and then Notre Dame managed to flip him. Um, and I will say as well, I actually got to meet him when I went over to uh, my first uh, Notre Dame game in 2015. Um, 
he's one of those players, he's a converted safety. So he was a safety in high school, but converted to linebacker in college. And he's just grown and grown and grown. I mean, he was always very good in coverage anyway. Uh, but he, he just... Um, He's been just basically a really, really solid tackler now as well. I mean, this past season, he made 100 tackles. Um, he was sort of like, he find, took the first few years to find himself in the NFL. But I think now at this moment in time, he is sort of like as close to the finished article and all-round linebacker. I mean, he, he's not a superstar, so he won't be getting superstar money. And you'll notice with a lot of these picks that we've, we've decided to choose that... Um, that we, you're looking at sort of mid-tier guys, and I think he was sort of in the upper level of the mid-tier guys, and I think he would just slot into our defense and um, and just be a perfect fit, to be honest. So, I went for Drew Tranquil. This guy is lightning quick. He is so fast. He is so quick. In in Wink's scheme, his blitz-heavy scheme, this guy coming. At the quarterback, no chance. No, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the two sacks he made on Russell Wilson. Just the the blink and you miss it, and he's there at the quarterback, and the quarterback's going down. Um, far from the finished article, like you said, but this guy plays hard, and I think I just I just like I just liked watching um, some bits of his and liked how he played, and he played so hard and fast and. And like I think, just kind of like everything about him, really. So yeah, Drew Tranquil was my pick out of those three. But again, the other two, I wouldn't turn down either of the other two um, because they are both quality players that we need in a position where we don't have much depth at all. So yeah. Alrighty, uh, next up, cornerback, and we are going to Craig first. Craig, who have you gone for? So I've gone for uh, Cameron Sutton from the Steelers um, started most of his career in the slot. He was pushed to the outside uh, the last season and has thrived best. Uh, his best passer, passer rating um, allowed in his career so far. He only allowed a 71.3, um, 339 yards allowed in 16 games was 12th best in the league. But the, the key thing for me with Sutton is it was all about evolution this season. Now, if you isolate his numbers after the Steelers' bye week in week nine, he allowed a 47.8% completion rate, zero touchdowns. The highest quarterback rating that he allowed during the same stretch of games was 82.9, and that was against Joe Burrow, who ended up going to the AFC Championship game. Um, shut down, put him opposite, opposite Adoree. I think we've really got a, a dominant sort of one-two punch at, at cornerback. I like Cameron Sutton. That's what I'm going to say. Um, Kev? Yeah, I've gone for um, uh, a favourite of mine, uh, Byron Murphy. Uh, 5'11", 190, again from the 2019 draft, picked the second round, like the second pick of the second round. I thought he was a first-round talent that year. Um he has had some injury um, concerns. He only played nine games last season. Um, but he is a very good man corner. And I think he'd be an excellent fit, a fit in the Wink um, Martindale scheme. Um, that type of aggressive, blitz heavy, leave your cornerbacks on islands. You know, he, he did it with, 
with um, with backups this past season. Um, and I think uh, Byron Murphy should have been a first-round pick in 2019, and I think it would be an excellent get um, if we were managed to pick him up to play opposite Jackson. Yeah, he's a... Uh... I think he's an under the radar guy, and I think he's uh, he's not one that's like none of. Well, I suppose not many of these guys are, but I think Murphy is is definitely one that sort of is is flying under the radar in, in free agency. And I think he's he's definitely one to watch out for. And lastly, Shane Corner. Yes, the last two players I've picked have been focused on not sort of spending much money um, because I want to go after this guy, Jamal Dean, uh, cornerback of the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, six foot one, 206 pounds. Um, he's, he can be absolutely brilliant opposite Adore. Uh, we'd have two lockdown corners there. Um, Jamal Dean, he, he, he rarely misses games. I think he's missed one game a year over the last four years, which ain't bad. Uh, he had one missed tackle last year. And he's never posted a coverage grade below seventy five point six. So I think you know if you pair in opposite opposite Adore Jackson, yes, he's going to cost some money. But you know, for someone who's still relatively young, I think he's twenty six. I want to say, um, you know, he could be locked in opposite Adore. And you know, the problem with your draft cornerbacks is you know they're not all going to be source guard. Now there is a little bit of teething issues, especially in that first season. Whereas this year we want to kick on, so let's get an experienced corner. On the other side, I think with the Tampa defense being not great last year, I think he was one of the brightest sparks on that defense. So I like again, I like all three, um, but I'm going for Shane's pick just because I think he can be that opposite to a Dory Jackson, really be that lockdown corner. He only he allows a 50% completion rate. Um, I know Sutton was very, very close to that. Um, forced 11 incompletions last season, two interceptions, no dropped interceptions, and only allowed five touchdowns across the whole across the whole year as well. So, yeah, for me, it's, Jamal Dean, like I like said, he's worth the money, and in, for for a, a, a very very strong corner, it's not that much money when you think about it. So, yeah, I like it. I like Dan's it. playing it safe at the minute. He's had one pick each. There's four picks, Dan. You've got to pick a winner. <laughs> the, 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 it seems like that, but when I was actually going through the picks and actually sort of making my mind up, it just fell that way. And I was like, that's. It might look like I've scripted it that way, but it's genuinely not. Well, he's got to choose a winner out of us next, doesn't he? Because there's only yeah, one, exactly. one position that's left. That's it. So, offensive line. So, interior offensive line. So, obviously, guard and centre. I think we're probably. Pro- Predominantly focusing on guards at this point. So, Kev, who have you gone for? So, I've gone for Dalton Reisner, um, six foot five, three twelve. Uh, again, this twenty nineteen draft, he <laughs> um, picked the second round by uh, the Broncos. Um, again, so offensive linemen, it's very, especially interior ones, it's very difficult to to sort of uh, know what you're getting. But I do believe he's just a solid starter. And we've drafted a lot of players um, uh, in the middle to late rounds in the interior, and we haven't quite hit on them. Um, so I do think that, you know, a nice sort of safe, steady Eddie, you're talking that mid-range guy again. I think he's, he's, he's good in the run. He's okay in the pass. Um, just be like a, again, like I've said, it's just a solid player to slot in there um, uh, at the left guard position. Nice. Ryzen's a 
beast of a beast of a lion. I think he's he's definitely one to look at. Um, we are going for Shane. Yeah, so um, again, I'm spending a little bit more money on this on this position. I've gone for Nate Davis, who's um, at the Titans, drafted in 2019, third round. Um, he only gave up three sacks last year, uh, four penalties, so he's quite consistent. Uh, run block of 69.8. Pass blocking is kind of his weakness more than anything else, but that still posts up a 66.8 rating. Uh, three sacks and one hit he led up this year and, and, and 10 hurries. Um, he seems to like constantly improve each year. He gave up five the previous year. So, you know, he's improved um, run, mainly a run, run blocking guard more than anything else, which, you know, is going to be key if we're going to keep someone like Saquon Barkley or we're going to draft his replacement either way, you know. Um, so, Nate Davis was my vote. You just want to spend all John Morris' money, isn't it? He's just yeah. out here, bang, bang. You get the pay, you get the bag, you get the bag. <laughs> Same old money. <laughs> have the money, have the money. <laughs> You're not making this easy for me, lads, because, yeah. Again, Nate Davis, what a... I don't, I mean, there's nothing really more else I've got to say about him unless what you've just said, Shane. So, another great pick. Um, Craig, last but not least. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm throwing the cash around on this one after being a bit cheap in the previous one. So um, I've gone for the Ravens' Ben Powers. Uh, interior pressure was constant thorn in Jones's side. And um, I saw a very valid point last uh, week that said that you could probably even attribute some of Evan Neal's struggles to the fact that the right side at guard wasn't up to, you know, up to scratch. So huge, huge upgrade on this would be Ben Powers' Uh, seeing as that he has played left guard for the Ravens for the past two seasons, but did spend a season playing right guard for the the 2020 um, year. So, you know, he has the versatility that we could be looking for. Pulse protection is his strong point, unlike the uh, other two, but then we'll flip it on his head because his run blocking leaves a bit more to be desired. So this is more of a pass protection kind of person. If, you know, Saquon was to go, this could potentially be the better option just to keep keep Jones upright. Do I have to pick? <laughs> Do I have to? We're all winners. <laughs> We're all winners. <laughs> I feel like I've been like the cheap skid over here. Like. I've been going for proper mid-level guys and Shane and Craig just want to flash the cash. You want to give Danny Dimes 45, 50 million a year? That's why. That's where all your money is. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to call Shane Gettleman then, but uh, I feel I feel a bit harsh. <laughs> For me, Nate Davis. Yeah, it's a fair pick. Uh, just, know. just. I mean, yeah. again, Reisner. I could you can make a case to pick to to pick him up any day of the week, and and I'd be more than happy to pick him up. And the same with Ben Powers as well. I think Powers has his. His strength in pass protection is, is outrageous. Um, he didn't allow a single sack last season, only allowed one quarterback hit as well. Fantastic pass protection. Nate Davis, again, only allowed one quarterback hit, allowed three sacks, admittedly, but still fantastic in pass protection. And Reisner, even, even still in pass pro as well, six hits, three sacks. That's not horrendous numbers. So you can make a case at all three of them. And I'd, again, be more than happy to pick up any one of those three. And that's not me just being sort of Mr. Sitting on the Fence. That's me being genuinely honest and saying, 
I'd be happy with any of them 12 players you guys have just mentioned. I really would be. And I think they would all bring their own strength to the team and all bring their own improvements to the team. And I think we the, the exciting thing is we've got so many we've got so many options to look at in free agency. Um, you know, who knows which way Joe Shane's gonna go and, and who which players are gonna pick up. It's it's one of those times where you just got there's there's so much to look forward to. I will just add as well, you kind of trust Sheehan, Joe Sheehan to, to to the moves he makes going forward now in this offseason. Um, I fully back like whoever he brings in, like however he decides to spend the cash or whatever he does, even with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I just think, you know, we've got someone competent there who um, will do what's best for the team regardless. Absolutely, he will. And I, I fully 100% trust that he'll make the right decisions. And the thing is, he's not, he's not going to just make the decision himself. He's going to speak to his scouts. He's going to speak to his coaches. He's going to speak to as many people as he possibly can to get them in on making that decision as well and who they like and what strengths each player has, what weaknesses each player has. So, yeah, this big decision so to make, man, but Joe Shane's the right man for it. Dan threw out a name during wide receivers, and obviously there is the elephant in the room at cornerback, so I'm going to bring him up. Why didn't you go James Bradbury? Oh, I didn't go. I didn't go Bradbury because of age, and that was one of my big things when doing the picks was age. Same. Well, for me, I, I, um, with all my mine, I kind of went young, straight off the rookie contracts, um, and sort of mid-tier guys is kind of the the but the the. the wells I was kind of like looking at. Um, I wouldn't be averse to bringing them back, you know. Even after the he's going to want he's going to want a big pay, isn't he? He's going to want big money, and he made some not particularly nice comments about the team not long ago. So, do we want him and back? Then, and then said he wanted to come back, which seemed yeah. very uh, counterintuitive to Weird. open your mouth and trash talk only just weeks before coming and coming your team me. Just because you went and crossed your team in the Super Bowl <laughs> doesn't mean you can backtrack on your words and and say, "Oh no, I want to come back." I think Bradbury can go off to somewhere else or stay at, stay in Philly. Personally, it'd be up there with Bobby and Dallas of comebacks, wouldn't it? Level. You know what? It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't even surprise me if he went to like someone <laughs> like Dallas. Because <laughs> I mean, Jerry Jones just doesn't care, does he? he? Just yeah, you can have the money, pay the money, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, Bradbury. I, don't, I can't see him coming back personally. Really can't. Alrighty, um, that is all we've got time for this week, Giants fans. Um, we will be back next week uh, to talk more free agency. We'll talk combine as well and what else to expect in the off-season. And we'll be welcoming onto the podcast for the very first time uh, long-time friend Ruben Vargas, uh, host of the Zona Gigantes podcast. Uh, so we're really looking forward to having him on and to join us next week. Uh, also, from next week, we will be live on Wednesday evenings every week at 8.30pm UK time. Um, and that's going to be our regular slot moving forward. So make sure you tune in then. Anything else to add before we go, guys? Just as I said at the start of the show, you know, good, good all of us being back, the band's back together. Um, and, you know, for our first episode, doing it like this, it's been great. Really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to everyone who's uh, kind of tuned in. And don't forget, as we always say, you know, get retweeting, get sharing, uh, mention us to a friend and, you know, bombard us with the comments, whether it's on here or on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or emails. Yeah, I just want to say it's been um, 
Just so glad to finally get on there, um, have the YouTube channel up and running. Got so much content coming over the next few months. Um, I'm look, really looking forward to have Ruben on. Ruben's done some fantastic things the last few years. Uh, and it'd be really good to get him on and hear what he's up to as well this year. Um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure, lads. And uh, let's keep this going. Yeah, it hasn't been too bad, has it? A nice, easy transition from uh, audio only to actually showing our faces on the screen. So, uh, so yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully some viewers out there have kind of got a bit more understanding of the players that we've been able to go through and the reasonings behind it and make their own decisions. So, you know, if you have, then uh, let us know. And if there's any free agents you think we should sign, drop a um, tweet us, tweet at us um, some some ideas, some names that you think people you might have not have uh, overlooked, or uh, it'll be really interesting to get you guys' take. Keith knows his stuff. Fair play, Keith. Well, yeah, man. Um, just want to say thanks to the two guys, two guys that sent in comments. So to Ralph and to Keith, um, thanks very much for commenting and uh, and your feedback. We really do appreciate it. Um, it's been an absolute blast, and for this to be our first episode, bear with us. You know, we're brand new, we're teething. Um, you know, it, it will become more slick. It will become a nice slick operation. Um, just give us some time and bear with us. And while we learn and you know come into the world of live streaming and YouTube. Um, but yeah, remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like we said, and to hit that bell to get all the latest updates and notifications. Uh, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Big for UK and Ireland. And you can also find us as part of the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page as well. And lastly, you can get in touch with us via email, bigblueukirl at gmail.com. Uh, my thanks as ever goes to Shane, to Kev and to producer Craig for joining me. To you, the listeners. And for the first time ever, to the viewers for watching, we're signing off till next time.